0: gentlemen and welcome to the rock and roll podcast check out this
1: record my name is frank and with me is my good buddy mark oh man how are we gonna get through this episode without pissing everyone off (laughs) i know we're
0: gonna piss people off for sure and and everyone listen thank you for joining us we are syndicated via redline radio and you could also find us on spotify and apple podcasts
1: yeah, be sure to uh, headbang your way over to YouTube to see Frank's ruggedly handsome face and play the, my favorite game, which is what bridge is Mark supposed to be living under?
0: <laughs> For
1: any new listeners out there, this is
0: a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other and re- re- review them, excuse me. Plus, we have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight Series where we dig into a band's catalog
1: and see what comes out on the other side. Or in our verse series, we'll pit two albums against each other, and Frank and I will duke it out to see who wins in total stereo domination.
0: That's right. And be sure to check us out on Instagram. And now in our Facebook group, we'd like to drop additional content that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and, of course, Mark's random nonsense. And if you have a record that you want us to check out, drop a comment wherever you find us. While you're at it, subscribe. Give us a review, a rating. So I say this,
1: Mark. Frank, how are you you, man (laughs) frank i'm pumped man uh you know uh we're gonna chat about all things Talica and i I just couldn't be more excited uh i have no idea how we're gonna fit it into this podcast because we're gonna cover a lot of ground um but we're gonna have a really good time doing it
0: yeah how are you buddy yeah i'm good just excited to talk about metallica arguably the Biggest metal group ever, right? Uh, I remember seeing the video of one as a kid, and A, I was scared, and B, I thought these guys are really good.
1: So I'm, I'm amped, man. Yeah, so for those uh, of you not familiar with the mighty, mighty Metallistones, uh, <laughs> Frank is going to give us the lowdown
0: on who's in the band. Frankie, take it away. All right. So the easiest way to break this down really is to run through who played on which albums, or didn't, right? The core of the band is James Hetfield on vocals and guitar, Lars Ulrich on drums and band spokesperson, and Kirk Hammett on lead guitar. You see what I did there with Lars? (laughs) Yep. But Mark, that wasn't the original
1: lineup now, was it? No, in fact, there are two other members of Metallica to never make it onto a record. The first being Ronald J. McGovney. Mm -hmm. How great is that name? Love uh, it. Who played bass uh, for the first year or so of the band, Uh, played a handful of gigs with them, uh, only to be replaced with the now legendary Cliff Burton uh, after quitting the band because of James and the next band member fucking with him too much. Uh, And that, of course, is the infamous Megadeth frontman, Dave Mustaine, pretty sure I pronounced that right. Anyways, um, who was fired from the band uh, before they could begin recording on Kill Them All uh, and replaced with Mr. Kurt Hammett, who after just being with the band for a month Jumped in the studio to record Kill 'Em All. Frank, did you know that Kill 'Em All wasn't the original title of Metallica's debut album?
0: That's right, Mark. They wanted to call it Metal Up. Your ass, not mine, Your. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the label and distribution companies, of course, didn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole, so cause that's some graphic the graphic name. So Kill em All was born. And this would lead us to the lineup for Metallica's first three albums Kill em All in eighty three, Ride of Lightning in eighty four, Master of Puppets in eighty-six. Yes. James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett, Cliff. Burton, Arguably the band's heaviest and thrashiest work. Uh, it was worth noting that Mustaine retains or Mustaine, uh, retains writing credits on Kill Mall, uh, with tracks like Four Horsemen, Jump in the Fire, Middle Militia, Phantom Lord, and of course, Off Ride the Lightning with the call of
1: Kutulu
0: and the title track Ride the Lightning.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Cliff left the band and this plane of existence on September 27th, 1986, when the band's tour bus driver lost control. The bus skid and flipped uh, several times. Uh, Ulrich, Hammett, and Hetfield sustained uh, no serious industries, but however, uh, Bassist Burton was pinned under the bus and passed away.
0: Yeah, yeah, horrible, horrible tragedy there. And after trying out over 40, 40 potential bass players, including Kirk Hammett's childhood friend, this is funny, Les Claypool, the band decided on former Float Sam and Jet Sam bassist, Jason News said, supposedly they made him eat a big ball of wasabi as an initiation. And yes, folks, I did say Les Claypool earlier. Well, I was
1: going to say it's Flotsam and Jetsam. Yep. And I said float some and jet some. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but how crazy is it? Just just the idea that like one day some kid who doesn't make, who went on to make no difference in his life, went outside to play like football in the street. And like the two kids he was playing with were Kurt Hammett and, Le- and Les Claypool. Like, yeah. hey, you guys, you guys want to tool around, you know, play with some go-karts or something? Oh, like, no, oh, Les Claypool and Kurt Hammett, we've got other things to do. Like, <laughs> Holy shit dude it's so crazy. Anyways, it is. Uh, with this lineup uh that being uh Jason's new set end band they've released 1988's And Justice for All, 1991's self-titled Metallica, but let's face it that record's just called the black album. Yeah. Network, yeah. And 1996 and 1997's Load and Reload respectively. Yep,
0: absolutely. And in 1998 the band released Garage Inc, a new album made up of covers, then in 1999 the S and M album is recorded with the San Francisco Philharmonic and released a critical acclaim. Let's fast forward to the year 2000. And the world hates Lars Ulrich, of course, for suing Napster, <laughs> the file sharing website. Everyone remembers that, of course, claiming that it was stealing his music and violating copyright infringement. They were the ringleaders in that whole Deal back then. Then Newstead left Metallica on January 17, 2001, as plans were being made to enter the recording studio. He left the band for private and personal reasons uh, and the physical damage that he says I have done to myself over the years while playing the music that I love during a Playboy interview. He said this.
1: Yeah, so that brings us uh, to St. Anger, uh, but we're missing a bass player. Frank, I haven't told you who the bass player is. No, um, is it me? What does Metallica do? No, it's not. I know that you guys think, I think he's over there. If you're watching the video at home, um, you think Frank was the, the obvious next choice. He right. wasn't, he actually wasn't. Uh, the band couldn't find a bass player in time for recording. So they let uh, producer, Bob Rock, who started with them on the self-titled Black album, um, play bass. Uh, I believe he played like two or three shows too, but yeah. they never referred to him as a member of the band. Um, although I think he does get bass credits on the album, whatever. Um, This would also uh, be the last record he would produce for the band, which is deserving, actually, released produce this record because it was garbage. (laughs) Uh, The album was released in June 2003, coming in, believe it or not, at number one on the Billboard charts. But that's just because people saw the Metallica stamp and went for it. Uh, The critics absolutely hated it. Um, Moving on, after three months of auditions, Robert Trejo – Formerly of Suicidal Tendencies, definitely check them out. And Ozzy yes. Osborne's band was chosen to be the new bassist. Uh, although he appears in the videos for St. Anger, he did not play on the album.
0: Right, which is to his benefit, I would assume. <laughs> and the, so we properly pronounce his last name, how, Mark?
1: It's not... Oh, no, I was doing Danny Trejo. Oh,
0: no, no, I, I didn't. I was just... Because I, I have to say his name next, so that's why I was oh, asking it,
1: you. Is it, is it Trulio? Trujillo? I, Trujillo? I would like to apologize to this dude. Uh, I speak very little to no Spanish. We're uh, a phenomenal <laughs> bass player, and I butchered your name because I'm an asshole. Don't worry. So, anyway, so with Robert Trujillo, if I'm
0: even pronouncing the name right, first of all, he's an absolute beast. So, they found the perfect person. I think the uh, J is supposed to sound like an H. Could be Trujillo.
1: Trujillo. Uh,
0: Trujillo. Uh, people are
1: going to go, yeah, put down your angry text. We're assholes. I'm
0: yeah, right. absolutely. And I would... apologize for it. And for the record, because I have an Italian last name does not mean I speak Italian, so... I think that's Spanish, so you're good. Right, but Italian and Spanish are very similar. So, you know, ideally, if I could speak Italian, then I would be able to converse with someone who speaks Spanish.
1: Ideally, yes.
0: Ideally, right, ideally. So, (laughs) listen, listen, (laughs) we're assholes. Listen, he's a beast, and we get Metallica's final form, and the band goes on to release Death Magnetic in 2008. Lulu with Lou Reed comes out in 2011 Blue. and, hard, uh, and Hardwired to self-destruct followed in 2016. And in 2019, S&M 2 was released in theaters, but the band made no indication that they will be releasing that in any other form.
1: Yeah. So before we get into uh, the official, check out this record ranking of Metallica albums bit. Uh, let's talk about the one Metallica factoid uh, people have skipped over or I made up completely uh, none other than the Unforgiving Trilogy.
0: Yes, I have to tell you, listen, I haven't really thought about this until you brought it up. The first song is a classic, and part two I feel suffers from being on Reload, and it's a good tune. Uh, I basically shelved Death Magnetic, but then realized the number three was on it, and Mark, you know me, I love a good trilogy, and at one point in the script, I had this As God trilogy. So, oh. take, yeah, I just wanted to oh. state that because it was a funny little factoid.
1: Yeah, so, like, to be honest, I hadn't really thought a ton about uh, this this trilogy um, until a few years ago when I went back. And for, for whatever reason, I wanted to listen to Death Magnetic. Uh, I think, like a lot of people, after Saint Anger, I just wanted to, to let it go and pretend it didn't happen because I didn't want to be disappointed again. Um, but I think that record's better than it is on the surface. And we'll, we'll yes. talk about that later. Yeah. Um, and having part three on there is definitely an interesting way to mix it up. Anyways, um, so for Frank, I'm going to propose we dig into each song uh, and see what we can get out of them and see if they, they really connect. Does that sound good to you?
0: It does, man. Take away with the, with the first yeah. Unforgiven.
1: Let's see if I can bullshit this into a thing. <laughs> and so the Unforgiven. I, I don't know about you, but I can still see the music video. For yes. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, uh, and I don't normally like to make assumptions, but I think for the trilogy, it's safe to say the main character, quote unquote, the young man in the the first one, even though he becomes an old man, um, is representative of James Hetfield himself, um, or at least his his psyche. Right. In um, part one, we get. Uh, Just that, James dealing with the cards he's been dealt uh, and the world's lack of sympathy or forgiveness for simply being born into the station he was uh, and how he chooses to deal with it. You know, um, nice little caption of uh, lyrics here just so that you guys can figure out what nonsense I'm gibbering about. Uh, New blood joins this earth and quickly is subdued. Through constant pain, disgrace, the young boy learns their rules. What I've felt what i've known never shined through what i've shown never free never me so i dub the unforgiven
0: brilliant mark got chills on that one my friend got mm-hmm. chills yeah the so, delivery is seriously yeah thanks. loved it so, so so we move on to the sequel the unforgiven 2 the title suggests this is a sequel and the rhyme <laughs> scheme doesn't help but i can't help but feel that this should have been the unforgiven 2 t w o uh, James is clearly present as the narrator but the other is uh, there's another here specific and, and she we hear G- James working through the difficulties of accepting someone like himself and struggling to understand that she can't accept him for his demons uh, lay be- here's some of the lyrics here we got lay beside me and tell me what they've done and speak the words I want to hear to make my demons run the door is locked now But it's open if you're true. If you could understand the me, then I could understand the you. What I felt, what I've known, I take this key and I bury it in you because you're unforgiven,
1: too. (laughs) uh, The unforgiven three, right? Um, Yeah. So aside from the obvious uh, different intro from the last two, and and naturally he does a good job of not saying unforgiven in the song. Right. On this track. Um, I think many of us were afraid that he was actually going to say, you know, the unforgiven three, and then like they, like whoever the chick was from the first one, they had a baby or something. Uh, But James (laughs) manages to change the perspective, uh, in the first verse referring to himself in the third person, um, looking back on his life only to remember the, the present as he is quote unquote lost at sea. Um, I think he does a good job, um, trying... T- excuse me, tying these themes together of isolation, of servitude for part one, um, the struggle for acceptance and love in part two um, and creating uh, his character's lament and tying it all together for this third one uh, where he realizes he's the only one who can forgive himself um, and here are just some, some lyrics to wrap up that theory um, my sexy James Hetfield voice again Please. how could he <laughs> how could he know this new dawn's light would change his life forever. Set sail to sea, but pulled off course by the light of golden treasure. Uh, was he the one causing pain with the care- careless dreaming? <clears throat> uh, so now he's going to refer to himself back in the other person uh, right. as I. Uh, and he goes on to say, how can I be lost if I've, given, if I've got nowhere to go? In remembrance, I relive. And how can I blame you when it's me, I can't forgive. And lastly, forgive me, forgive me not, forgive me, why can't I forgive me? So overall, I think, you know, the three work together. I think he does manage to, to tie the three songs together. Although I have to say, I, I certainly don't think that was his intent uh, when he wrote Unforgiven One. And that's usually when people tell me that things were a trilogy. If it didn't start as a trilogy from part one, was it meant to be? So fuck you! You're Correct. just making you're just making sequels. Yep. Um. But I think I think he's done a good enough job tying them together that that they do work in a in a Metallica universe of their own, like the Metalliverse, I guess. <laughs> so uh, what, what did you think, Frank? Did I convince you? Yeah. So I agree. I'm not sure if Hetfield intended for this to be a
0: trilogy. And I remember when Part Two came out, I was like, okay, is I was questioning. I was like, is this a concept? And uh, you know, of course, that song being the bright spite bright spot excuse me on reload um you know i i was i was guessing that for sure the melodies and overall tone works as the guitar work uh is based on similar chord structures through, throughout them number two is in e flat tuning as load and reload were were in those different tunings so that prevents it from exactly sounding like the first but there's definitely some similarities there and i think it's overall a cool concept um to have this thing be present in your life and then be reflected and built upon during various parts of your career or life. Um, Listen, I'd be cool with a part four if they choose to do so. Um, Again, I don't think it was initially intended like that. But when it came time, maybe for that second one, they're like, well, let's let's build off of something. And I think it's a it's a cool thing to look into. And I want to drop that on the Facebook group. So I'm going to put the three tunes there and let me know which one is your favorite, even though I'll know the answer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm happy to announce that in a 2012 interview uh, james Hetfield said he is he is officially done with the unforgiving oh. universe i'm sorry frank um anyways dude i've been listening to the entire metallica discography this week and I, and I can't wait to just just break it into pieces and 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 talk about all the good stuff and look we're going to be honest about the shit because there's some shit there is um there so is. let's uh yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're at a crucial and vital moment in today's episode, and that's the official check out this record ranking. Check out this record, studio Topst. album. So this is where people are going to hate us, right? So we yeah. created a point system for each other, added our points together, and used Mark's brother Seth' his rankings as the tiebreaker. Um, and I really appreciate Seth for really giving us the idea for for this uh, episode here and this whole concept. But uh, Mark, why don't you kick us off? So now this is. 11, 11 to 1, uh, we went ahead and, and did this
1: in our point system, so let the hate begin. Mark, you start. Yeah, so, okay, to begin, and, and because these things are more fun to talk about, I'm going to start there. Lulu is at number 11. It's a big piece of shit. They shouldn't have done it. I'll get into that in a second. We will not be including either of the SNMs. Correct. No Garage Or ink. the Garage Inc. or any of the live stuff. We wanted to keep it just the strictly original studio stuff, so that's why the yep. Garage Inc. isn't in there because that record's actually pretty badass. Anyways, Lulu, you know, the band had always been um, open about how eclectic their pool of inspiration was. Uh, Among those things was The Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. Why, I couldn't tell you, because Lou Reed and The Velvet Underground suck dick. Um, Now, as a couple of old punks, people would think that Frank and I would feel differently. Um, I mean, that's, I I just told you how I feel about Lou Reed and The Velvet Underground. I think they're vastly overrated. But Metallica, for whatever reason, agreed to do a record with Lou Reed. Um, There's plenty of interviews where Lars talks about what a horrible recording experience they had. uh, And you really feel that in the record. Listen, you know, when Bob Dylan decided to take on the Heartbreakers as his backing band and go on tour, it worked. I think Lou Reed was looking for something a little similar in that, and putting a big heavy metal band behind him, like Metallica, and it just didn't work. Yeah. That Uh, sucks.
0: To make yeah. sure that
1: everyone knows how I feel about
0: Lou, yeah, I think he's got
1: a perfect zero rating out
0: of us, by the way. Yeah, and, and probably most people uh, out out there. And you know, listen, it was uh, Lou Reed. I think shortly passed away right after this, and maybe it was like a favor or whatever the case is. But Mark really, you know, he he <laughs> he really highlighted it here well. It was just, you know. <laughs> The, the Lou Reed stuff and then the backing band and that backing band just happened to be Metallica. So I'm sorry that he had to talk about Lulu, but he's going to probably be sorry for me because I now have to talk about St. Anger. So coming in at Ooh. number 10 is St. Anger. Uh, again, sorry about that. And uh, you know, Lulu not too far off here with a St. Anger. It's just not a good record, too much turmoil going on. The documentary highlighting the making of the album or them during that time was exhausting the audio quality is just bad i mean i appreciate i guess the grindcore effort um
1: but you just pissed off everybody who likes grindcore.
0: yeah i did um, <laughs> yeah i did but but anger is horrible and and there's no other way to say it i'm not going to sit here and talk more crap about it it's just bad
1: yeah well uh as the shit slowly trickles uphill we get reload um yeah so uh, So what you might have remembered as Reload was supposed to be the second half of Load. Load was supposed to be a double album. Uh, But because of recording issues, folks at home can't see I did air quotes, um, they got released separately for whatever reason. So look, there's a few high spots on this record. A couple things that work. I really like Fuel. I know that it's kind of like a silly rock song, but it works. Um, The Memory Remains is pretty all right and the unforgiven two, as we previously mentioned is on here yeah that's it i mean we're talking about three tracks out of ten uh you could have left the other seven on the cutting room floor cut three songs off a of load yep. shoved these in there and you would have had an all right record but yeah that's reload yeah
0: you guys reload. guess what's
1: at number eight
0: yeah yeah let's guess Pause. it's load it's load. yeah absolutely it's <laughs> load i mean listen it's better than reload but that doesn't say really diddly poo at the end of the day uh hero of the day is you know cool um uh, but until it sleeps i never really cared for it don't even get me started on king nothing i know they were trying to go that alt route, alternative route at the time but i mean they're fud- they fudged their own bucket by making such kick-ass records earlier in their career and now giving us this um it's 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 not great i just i don't like load or reload for that matter a couple of tracks choice tracks like you said here and there but other than that they're they're poor records
1: yeah you guys he- heard it here first frank said that they fudged their own Capoodle. was that the quote i said they're fu- they fudged their own bucket fudged their own bucket yes yeah, so yep. Yep. Oof, hot off the presses ladies and gentlemen i know uh, that should be a t-shirt right Fudge. it should be yeah yeah we'll make that this, the banner for the the, the podcast folks um So at number seven, uh, because we're working our way slowly but surely up here, we get Death Magnetic. Uh, All this record had to do was not be St. Anger or either of the loads and it would rank well. And it does just that. Um, You know, the sound on this record uh, does have a little bit of that compressed feel that St. Anger had really, you know, St. Anger just felt like they digitally shoved it in a tuna can and then tried to open it back up. Uh, This does sound a little better. It does have a little bit of a hint of that. And I think some of this, uh, I think this is, excuse me, more important of a record um, than people want to give it credit for. For one, uh, they worked with Rick Rubin, um, yeah. you know, notably with, worked with the Beastie Boys, that amazing Johnny Cash records he did. Amazing. Um, but what, what Rick Rubin's able to do is get the band pointed in the right direction, if nothing else, for this record and the, what were to follow, um, and, and bringing them back to a little bit more of that 80s style and sound. Um, You know, supposedly this was when the band started writing songs together again as a whole, as opposed to just James and Lars. Um, And it really gives Robert a chance to show off his uh, capability to play the bass uh, in a band that had had really been lacking since Cliff Burton, uh, his death. And that's not to say that Jason Newsom couldn't play the bass. It's probably more likely that they just didn't let him really get at it. And, you know, this guy shows off all of his skills. Check out the song Suicide and Redemption uh, and tell me I'm wrong because you can't.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's really a good record, and, and I was I was impressed, especially revisiting it again. Yeah. Uh, very good album. It's got uh, much
1: better legs than it than it appeared to at first.
0: Totally absolutely uh next we get hardwired uh to self destruct that's the the latest record pleasantly su- latest studio record latest uh pleasantly surprised here i really like uh, the title track hardwired atlas arise moth in the flame spit out the bone i think it's a classic sounding metallic album for the modern times i think they're starting to gel too here with uh trujillo uh it's almost kind of like a second arc in their career between death metal Magnetic and hardwired self-destruct. Of course, you know if you get like another strong record after that, I think again it's 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 that second arc, and with this other group of people that they're that they're gelling with. Um, this time, James Hetfield and Ulrich uh, are put a hand in, in the producing side of things. Um, but I think it's a, it's a really, really good record. Um, another track now uh, that we're dead, uh, check out Halo on Fire. Uh, again, strong. It's it's a new Metallica for the modern time. So I think it's a really, really good record.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I think that record um, is way cooler than people were expecting it to be um, yeah. and really shot them back up. But we're at number five on the list. and This is where five, it gets hard,
0: folks. This is where it gets hard.
1: Yeah, this, there was a lot of like, splitting hairs here and and calling Seth and asking him which one he thought was better. Number five, this record fucking rips injustice for motherfucking all. Um, Just in case you couldn't understand that because I said fuck too many times and justice for all, which growing up I thought was injustice for all. Um, It took me a long time to read. I'm dyslexic as fuck. So um, there you go. That's my excuse. Um, You know, I think we're at the point where Frank and I are going to tell you that despite any flaws these records have, all of these records coming up are totally badass. Yeah. Uh, Now, comments about Jason Newstead's lack of bass on this record aside, um, this record is totally badass. Yeah. It's got Blackened, which goes into Injustice For All, which goes Uh. into Eye of the Beholder, into fucking One, okay? That's That's the A side. Well, technically it's the A side and the B side because it was a double album, (laughs) but it still hits so hard right off the bat it's classic you get everything from the 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 galloping guitars to the thunderous solos to big heavy drums um to this record rules yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's so good and,
0: and at many points during during my sorting this out internally i i often put this even if not one or two definitely up there i mean as we said before the these next records are going to be tough and they could be interchangeable but this is such an amazing album and i often wonder I, I didn't see anything on this and i and i maybe it is somewhere and if there is anyone who could enlighten me on this then do so but uh the al pacino movie "Injustice justice for all i wonder if that was a little bit of an inspiration in reference to then the title of the album although it's a common phrase but i know there are also movie buffs and you know all those things but such an amazing album les mark said all those songs that go right into each other i mean it, it, come on it's incredible it's incredible and the video uh, of one that scared me as a kid uh is awesome so
1: yeah Yeah, the thing is like <laughs> half an hour long yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like 20 29 minutes of it was like gunfire
0: yeah yeah which they actually have the they bought the rights to that movie so they could obviously play that at will at live and shows and the quote you know all the little um, uh excerpts of it and all that stuff so uh that's pretty cool and i don't know what the movie is so but uh, next one here, number four is Kill 'Em All. This is where it begins, right? What's cool here is this punk meets metal and is done so well. It's that thrash, it's that thrashy punk metal sound. Uh, the punk clubs actually wouldn't have Metallica play because they were too metal, and the metal clubs wouldn't have Metallica play because they thought they were too punk, right? Uh, Hit the Lights, Motor Breath. I love Motor Breath, by the way. Uh, the Four Horsemen, Whiplash. The whole record actually is phenomenal. I mean, to come off the bat, Right off the bat, and do this record, especially with Hammett just being in the band for such 30 a period of time—thirty days Come on, and doing man. this, Mark. I mean, I love this
1: record. Yeah, it, it's an awesome record. It definitely speaks to their uh, their early punk rock roots. It really shows. You can definitely, especially as as we got older and started accepting that Megadeth was was pretty cool too. Yeah. You can hear a lot more of Mustaine's influence Good point. on this, especially on this record. Um, But really, like, it's just such a cool record. It was so gritty. You know, like, Frank and I were talking earlier, and there's this thing, you know, if they had let Hammett be in the band longer before jumping in the studio, if they had pushed that time back, would we have gotten a different record? Would it have been, what would it have sounded like? I think it doesn't matter. Like, that was their first record. It was probably recorded, uh, I think I I read a story that it was recorded for $15,000. The guy who owned the record label had to mortgage his house to produce that record. Oh, my gosh. But, like, so they got it done as quickly and cheaply as possible. Um, And we get, like, just one of the most brutal, off the bat, thrashy, punky records to ever come out. So good. So good. Yeah. So, number three. um, Number three. This is where some people are going to get their butts in a twist. Uh, They are. This this actually ranks as my number one record. Um, But it's okay because, look, we're a democracy here. We talked it out. Uh, It's the Black Album. Uh, A lot of this has to do with. With nostalgia for me, Uh, this was one of the first cassettes I ever bought. I bought this and Thriller on the same day um, because I like to party. Um, (laughs) He sure does. I can can, can vouch for that. (laughs) Anyways, um, so there's a lot of nostalgia behind my vote, but at the same time, this record is so badass, right? We we call it the Black Album, but, you know, it's technically the self-titled Metallic Album. It's the second release without Cliff Burton and easily one of the most popular, uh, excuse me, personal uh, and self-reflective albums the band has ever put out. Uh, they did change up the approach here. We don't get, as I mentioned, those gallopy, thrashy guitars uh, of the previous albums, but we get uh, 1991 music changing as it does. Yeah. They're able to put together a big, heavy number um, that appeals across all kinds of musical spectrums. Um, this thing was just an absolute beast. You know, uh, Metallica really managed to capture the success of Injustice for All, um, and keep it heavy and just just dug much deeper with this record. Uh, the thing put out five major hits. Enter Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, The Unforgiven, Were I in Rome, and Sad But True. Plus, I have to tell you, for me, some of my absolute favorite deep tracks, Through the Never, of Wolf of Man, The God That Failed, uh, My Friend of Misery, and The Struggle Within. They're, they're all badass. This record is angry. Mm -hmm. personal and angry and it totally
0: rules yeah you know uh, as mark said most people this is going to be their number one and this is their first exposure to metallica and i get it i I really do and mark mentioned thriller and this album did i think for their genre and maybe what thriller did too for for pop music you know i think it's it's thriller was an album where every maybe every song was intended to be singles now i know not every song on here was a single but five major hits is actually a lot i think from a record out of 12 tracks man
1: yeah yeah 60% 60% of the
0: records. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hysteria by Def Leppard, I think, had seven singles. You know, we were just talking to earlier about how this and, and Nevermind were very instrumental in their respective uh, respective genres. So this album did a lot. It did a lot, not only for the band, of course, but it did a lot for music. And those five tracks, too, aside from the deep tracks, are just, they're, they're classics. I mean, they're absolute classics. Uh, it is a phenomenal album. You know, it, it did set the course for them to do different things, but no one could take away kind of what this album did. And again, I get it why it's a lot of people's number ones. Um, but we also have two other albums here that were equally really cool, and and that's how, I guess, as Mark said, this democracy works. So number two yeah. is just the album we're going to be highlighting below. I'm not going to talk much about it, but it is Ride the Lightning. Uh, again, we're going to talk about it. I mean, this really, 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 really got things going with that metal thrash sound uh, as opposed to In Kill Mall, which was punk metal-ish. Um, but more to come on that Uh, below, but this is uh, Ride the Lightning, and I guess everyone could guess, Mark,
1: what number one is. Go ahead. Yeah, so look, Ride the Lightning, it's their second studio album, right? They've really got that time um, with Kurt to really hone the sound, but Masters of fucking Puppets, right? They've been on tour. They've been grinding. They've been working. Ride the Lightning was a huge success. You know what we're going to do? Yeah. Master of Puppets, dude. And Master of Puppets thrashes. Yeah. um you know this record doesn't just kick ass it's it's it, it scored almost like an epic it's um it, it, it you know I'm, I'm like i'm getting choked up over it okay look there's clearly um no mistake on this record and you can really you feel like that meant something to the band they no longer had that shadow to live under um you know like i said it, they had been on the road they'd really gelled with kurt Hammett at the time um, and they just put this absolute beast of a record together. I mean we're talking about battery, master of puppets, the thing that should not be, sanitarium, disposable heroes, leopard messiah, Orion, and Damage Inc. all on one record. It's just a beast. It's it's just it's it's arguably their number of the beast. It's arguably yeah. like I mean there are very few heavy metal records, thrash records that have the the just the awesomeness that is this record like there are very few that hold you the way this whole album just just grabs you and like you are on that ride so yeah Yeah. I I think you know most people are gonna say you know oh you got the order mixed up look you catch us in the right mood this order might be a little different yeah totally Um,
0: totally but, you know, you can't escape the fact that, listen, a lot of these albums uh, early on, you know, they, they were uh, short as far as the small, as far as the number of, of tracks that they had on there. And they were definitely going for the quality over the quantity, and again, you can't deny the fact that this album has the tracks that Mark mentioned. I mean, Battery, Massive Puppets. Walk I literally on. listed the entire record. Yeah, the entire record, <laughs> and, and, it, and it's absolutely, it's absolutely fantastic. And and I think they were gelling on all cylinders there. Uh, yeah. It's it's an absolute great record. Again, Mark said you know, you could check us on another day, and maybe we'll have another list. That top five can be interchangeable, but as of today, hey, that's what this is about. So right. you know, we definitely, I'm sure, caused quite uh, the controversy here with our listeners, so they could start, you know, typing their angry emails and their tweets and all that good stuff. Um, but before you do that, guys, take a listen to our Ride the Lightning track-by-track review, right, Mark? That's right. We're going to fight fire with fire, Frank. Yep.
1: Take, so I, uh, here we go. Ride the Lightning. Let's do it. Dude, I love this classical guitar intro. Ugh, Into this so rake net, blistering, palm-muted guitar and thrashy drums. Ugh. The solos rips, uh, and the lyrics on this thing... Look, I think all Metallica lyrics are fun just because, look, you can't take them serious. Right. Right, Because otherwise they're just too dark and depressing. But if you look at them as theater and how ridiculous they are, they're perfect. Uh, and the, the music's just so fun and ominous.
0: Yeah, it's great. As Mark said, listen, I love the guitar intro here. You can hear right away the band expanding their musical landscapes. And a lot of this actually has to do with Burton. He knew music theory and he showed Hetfield how to augment the notes and basically how guitar harmony works. And, and this... Yeah, this is showcased here With that that nice little intro Then the storm comes in To basically rip your head off uh, It's actually the fastest Metallica song In terms of picking speed And trust me, I know Because I was trying to Yeah, I was trying to pick to it earlier And, and I definitely had some trouble uh, Hammett's uh, solo just rips Just an overall amazing song And the ending with the nuclear bomb Is a nice touch too So that is is Five Fire would Fire And then we go into the title track Ride the Lightning uh, I like the dueling intro riffs here and then it transitions to nice palm muted uh guitar chords uh, i'd like the change-ups in the song after the second chorus uh we get that pick-up at speed and then the breakdown that leads right into the solo just really well thought out as far as the song structure goes i can't help just but have the lasting image of lightning like throughout the whole listening to the whole album obviously you have the cover and a lot of times i'll see a cover and that's the image i'll have in my head as i'm listening to the album but you have lightning i mean lightning speed ride the lightning the song lightning you know from the electric chair just lightning is such a great word that represents this album so i love the track ride the lightning mark what what say you
1: yeah i don't know what i can add to that i mean this thing it rips even uh, even it's mid-tempo solos are badass um and of course, you know, the, the tempo picks up, the solos get crazier, a double bass kicks in, and the, they manage to slow it way back again to this 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 pumping pace, all while keeping the energy elect, electric. I mean, like, dude, it's awesome. It's it's Ride the Lightning, you know, the in this case, you know, we didn't talk about the album cover earlier. We probably should have, but whatever. Frank nailed it, man. You know, like, it's an electric chair being shot with lightning. Hey, what do you think this record's going to sound like? That's pretty spot on, like books in their covers right like fuck that's
0: three. it man so amazing um
1: so track three is an absolute classic oh. it's it's i mean it's one of the most iconic metallica songs yeah in my brain but like i say that and they have 97 hits so what do i know <laughs> uh it's for who the bell tolls um yep. you know it from the first tolling of this of the bell right like this oh. is so much cooler than whatever the AC/DC song about bells is hell's bells um, yeah fuck those guys dude metallica rules um <laughs> the guitars are muscular, intimidating, and, and menacing. Lyrically, Jane paints a dark and moody war-torn scene that balances perfectly with this chugging guitar riff. Yeah. Classic Metallica. Dude. This song is just so awesome.
0: And, and by the way, I love the Yeah. Yeah. so as Mark said classic Metallica listen it's inspired by Hemingway's poem of the same name Uh, the intro riff is often confused with a guitar but it's actually Burton on bass with distortion and a wah-wah pedal so again Burton does a lot of outside the box thinking that I don't think was necessarily being done at the time I could be wrong with that but I can't recall of anything like that Uh, the chunky riffs just add the mood to the overall song and Lars steady his steady drumming really captures the euphoric musical composition right there so just an overall great track then we get to fade to black so this right is the here. one song that's right i wanted to learn right away uh when i was learning guitar the 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 riff in the beginning with the haunting solo is just fantastic uh this song is it's I think it's really, really important in their catalog because it foreshadows what is to come with tracks like Welcome Home and One. Uh, this song would also gain the band some attention for its lyrical content uh, because it's that of suicide. But James states that it was written after the band's gear was stolen and he felt down. Uh, whatever the case is, listen, it's its a classic song. It's a step forward for the band and it's deemed really as the first, dare I say, power ballad. How
1: about that? I mean- yeah, all right. But hey, whatever. I mean like, holy shit, right? What, what an intro to this song, it's so epic. Um, you know, This is a prime example of how Metallica can build their sound from a quiet guitar into this roaring uh, heavy metal guitar rift of just like a juggernaut of a song. This thing grows out of the ground and attacks you. Uh, of course we can get, oh, excuse me, of course we do get more awesome guitar solos uh, and note runs from Kurt Hammett here um cliff never to be caught slouching really uses his bass to fill the sound of just deep thumping atmosphere here and his proficiency as a bass player is near perfection especially on this track yeah his role just overall i
0: know we mentioned him once before in an episode but his role overall in the band absolutely vital pivotal to, to to their overall sound
1: yeah i i I I think you nailed it there. I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting that they were able to pick up and carry on. Um, But let's do that before we get too, too drummed up and talking shit about uh, Jason Newstead. No, I'm just, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Um, (laughs) Track number five is Trapped Under Ice. Uh, It's so thrashy and daddy loves it. Um, (laughs) You never get more than a moment to rest from the stampede of drums and guitar. Uh, Hetfield does a great job with the lyrics and selling the experience, even if sonically the song is more uh, like getting pummeled to death than Trapped Under Ice, but it totally works because it's just a nonstop assault.
0: Yeah. So a great example of a different type of building off from the first record, but on the thrashier side, it's super aggressive. It's punchy and it's amazing how this is all just in standard tuning. I mean, we used to talk about this. I remember in, in, in just in the band days when we just used to talk uh, about Metallica, it's amazing how this is standard tuning and it's relentless. It never gives up just an overall great track. Uh, then we get Escape then, and this at the time of, uh, I don't I don't know exactly the year that that this was uh, stated, but this is known as Hedfield's actually least favorite Metallica song, and it's okay. because it's the result of the record company wanting them to write something radio friendly, and that makes sense, I guess, when you when you have when you see the fierce nature of this record, and then you hear this tune. Um, even with for whom the bell tolls and fade the black, that they're slower in tempo, but this is definitely um, more intentional, and I now I could see where I guess that was the attempt to do so. Listen, it's a, it's an enjoyable song, not as blistering, but I mean, it's still pleasant to the ears. What would you say, Mark?
1: Yeah, I always thought this was the, the chill track on the album. Like, they just genuinely needed a break after everything they just put us through. Um, you know, it stays moderately mid-tempo throughout and lyrically feels uh, like a t- continuation with what Trapped Under Ice w- was trying to do. Um, it's a nice break, but possibly, and I think you nailed it, it's probably the low light of the album. Um, as it doesn't have the same intensity as the record, rest of the record. Yeah. So by, by no means is this a bad song. No, no, not at all. I'm not saying, yeah. Yeah, so um, earlier this afternoon, I watched a movie with a close title to this. I watched 1973's The Cre- Creeping Flesh. Oh, it sounds Pretty like cool. the next track. Yeah, which is Creeping Death. Ah, creeping death. Um, it's, it's time to pound your head into a wall. With this headbangers masterpiece uh, from the opening buildup pounding away to the signature blistering palm muted guitars metallica takes all the time it wants building up this monster and let's face it, it... <clears throat> i totally lost my place reading i'm sorry and let's face it, it uh this is the coolest song about moses and the jewish people um escaping escaping egypt, egypt. you know look uh, i love fantastical views of such uh events Uh, And set against such a heavy and intense musical background. It's just rad. Who would have thought you could make Passover an interesting song? Metallica Uh, did.
0: A metal song, right? And, and I'm sorry, Mark, I was pounding my head into the wall because that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Marvelous Mark over here stated, uh, this song is about, of course, Moses and the Jewish people escaping Egypt uh, for the 10 plagues here are mentioned. And the band, of course, was inspired by watching the movie The Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston, which is a great movie, by the way. Uh, so it's a great solo, great chorus, great song. I mean, you know. Mark really nailed it. Intense musical background. It's 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 really it's really rad. Um, Then wow, we get the the closer, which is the call of Cthulhu. And do I say that right, Mark?
1: Yes, and I'll tell you why.
0: Go ahead. Oh, I meant I was going to tell you why in (laughs) mine. Scallywag. Okay, that's. I'll save. Let's save that. Save that. So so for the closer, listen, we get a nice D minor chord progression here, which is actually the remnants of uh, Mustaine. He would later actually take something similar and use this for the Megadeth song Hangar 18, uh, which now makes sense actually hearing both of them. Uh, really cool instrumentation here. Just, a, just an overall great example of four guys fulfilling all the musical roles in a piece of music. No needs for lyrics as the music sets the mood and tells the story and it leaves you wanting more. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So that's, it's a really cool track. And Mark, give us a little background
1: here. Yeah, so supposedly the band uh, titled this instrumental Call of Cthulhu and not Call of Cthulhu because they quote unquote feared the beast, right? Uh, we all know that Cliff Burton uh, especially, but the guys were all big horror hounds and uh, fans of, of horror movies. And this was meant as a tribute uh, to Cthulhu's author, H.P. Right. Uh, Lovecraft. Um, I love this as the ending of the album because um, it's just like this thrashy opus um we get the stellar performance you're right out of everyone but i've always felt like this was truly cliff's baby because you can you can feel his bass just pushing the direction of the song adding such a dark and sinister tone Um, that said the solo is totally kick-ass and lars doesn't miss a bit um or a beat excuse me Um, it just rules and uh, you know it's such a badass way to close out an album i think you nailed it this song ends making you want to start the record over. Yeah. I, this ends and you're like, Oh my God, I'm ready to just crush something and you just hit play again. And the record starts. it's just such a, an that's awesome, okay. Yeah. And that's yeah.
0: okay. Cause you'll be like, yeah, I want to listen to it again. <laughs>
1: yeah. it, and it, and it kind of ends in a way that the beginning of the album picks up from. So it's just very circular, um, just complete album. And that's one of the things that, that I love about records, right. When, When an album comes full circle, literally, um, and the concept of the album, it isn't just two sides. Well, this side's got some good stuff, and this side's got some bad stuff. It's this whole overarching story and and mood and tone, and Ride the Lightning has that in spades.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you brought up a good point too, where it's like you want to start it over again. So that means there's replay value and replay value is important in records, you know, and it's me and Mark listen to a whole bunch of records and there's a whole bunch thrown in our way and there's a lot of new stuff we could be listening to. But look, here we are still talking about like these classic records that that we've listened to so many times and listening to again for this was almost like listening to it for the first time. So uh, it's just, it's a really, really cool cool record and i'm glad i'm glad mark's brother seth suggested this for us it's a, it's a great piece for a band that was really hitting their stride in a genre that was gaining in popularity uh, it moves their needle from the first album and gives you a little glimpses of what's to come it's blistering yet somber and one of their best albums if not one of metal's best albums and it, it's really a great album mark what do you say
1: I agree with you, Frank. Easily one of their best albums. Like we said earlier, this top five could really be shuffled any given day of the week. And any of the the five albums at the top really could be the best album. Um, I think there is a very strong argument for Ride the Lightning, for Master of Puppets uh, to be in those one and two spots. And I, I hope you guys will agree with us that we just laid it down uh on that one. Uh big shout out uh to the bald headed dread Mr. Seth uh for this recommendation. We love you. We appreciate you. Keep up the good work. Keep listening <laughs> uh and telling me uh when I screw up words. Uh he doesn't actually do that. I just felt like rubbing in his face. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, we appreciate Seth for for really being a, a uh a devoted uh, devoted, I'm sorry, a devoted uh, listener to to our episodes here. So really appreciate it of course. And uh it was a good time. It was a good time. So, Mark, let's talk about next week, shall we? Sure. All right. Hot diggity dog, Mark. My buddy Don, he loves him some great white. Now, I remember them from their cover, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, uh, as well as, of course, the ladies in that particular video, which always raised my eyebrows as a kid. Uh, (laughs) We were recommended to check out the band's third album, Once Bitten, um, released in 1987. So we're looking forward to it, right, Mark?
1: That's uh, Chubby Wiener to you, uh, sir. Mr. Chubby um, Wiener. <laughs> I was five in 1987. I'm looking forward to going back. Frank's the hair metal guy here. And I, I'm pretty sure Great White falls under that moniker. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. I'm curious to see third album, 1987. All right, Don. See what you're make, you're putting me up to. We're counting
0: on you, actually. Yeah, and, and Mark, I would say I do listen to more hair metal than Mark does, and a lot of it comes from my love of uh Def Leppard, in particular. Yeah, I would say um Hysteria and Backwards through their catalog, not necessarily the stuff after that. They're they're a band I really I really took to as a kid, but but my friend Don is really really into the whole classic metal and and hair metal and stuff of that nature. And I haven't really listened to a lot of Great White, if not any outside of of that tune, which was apparently a cover. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, It's cool that we get an album like this, because again, I don't know what to expect. I don't think Mark knows what to expect. Not at all. Yeah, we're going to see what comes out the other side. So, of course, thank you for listening, everyone. If you have an album you want us to check out, let us know. Remember, you can find us virtually everywhere. Join our Facebook group. It's a good time. And, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the old subscribe button. Until next time, guys, I'm going to say this. Be well.
1: Bye-bye.